You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus curtain up theater people and welcome to your program is your ticket my name is sean chandler and i'll be your host we normally come to you from the hell's kitchen area of midtown manhattan right smack dab in the middle of broadway but your program is your ticket decided to take a field trip to my theater hometown, beautiful Chicago, Illinois, a city with rich, deep theater roots. And I am absolutely thrilled to be doing the show from the newly minted and beautiful Pride Arts Center, home of the wonderfully talented artist of LGBTQ theater ensemble, Pride Films and Plays. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make them happen. And Chicago is the birthplace and incubator of some of the most inspired and creative theater around the world. As many of you know, your program is your ticket. It's a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of my husband and my play at The Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. And I'm super excited because tonight's guest will be Chicago's multiple award-winning Pride Films and Plays founder and executive director, David Zack. David Zack is also an award-winning director, administrator, an educator who has worked all over the world, and I consider himself to be my own fairy godfather. We'll be bringing David on in just a few minutes, and you can certainly add to my opening topic, as I wouldn't even be here discussing any of this without his amazing entry into my life. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you about was the journey of the play that I wrote with my husband at The Flash that I mentioned earlier, and it pertains hugely to David Zack and Pride Films and Plays. So let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, it was an idea that we had uh, back in 2002 or three, I think it was, about writing a play uh, for one person to perform about uh, the life of a gay bar. So we started writing it and worked on draft after draft after draft after draft. And I think around 2005, we actually had a... Um, a reading in our living room of the play where my husband sat there and pretty much just read the read the whole entire play out to to people who were sitting there and they gave us notes about four um i'd say about four years later uh we went ahead and did a workshop performance that i directed 
at a broken down theater out in California. And uh, that led to even more changes. And then I kind of sort of um, put a little bit of a stall to it. I don't know why, but I just kept writing and kept changing and working on things. And then one day I decided that I would just submit it everywhere I possibly, possibly could. So I went ahead and and submitted at the Flash to I think probably about five or six different uh, theater companies, just hoping that maybe somebody would be interested in it. And about nine months later, I get this email that pretty much changed my life and my husband's life. And it was from David Zack, and it was saying that we are very interested in your show, and it's a finalist. Um, in the, Pride, the 2012 Pride Films and Plays Great Gay Play and Musical Contest. And after, like, freaking out and, of course, David calling his mother, Mother Leaper, who, um, who was excited and has pretty much been our, our unofficial press agent for the last, I don't know, five years that we've been doing at The Flash, um, we, we accepted and said, yes, we're very interested in it. And um, we came out for the competition weekend, festival weekend, and... Uh, it, there were five finalists, and we won. And I was absolutely, completely floored, but uh, very, very pleased. And um, that season, that was the first season of Pride Films and Plays in 2012. It was their first official season. David Zach asked us to be the first play that they produce. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled whenever I think of that. And of course, we said yes, and then... Uh, instantaneously, my husband, who is an actor, wanted to wanted to do the play himself. It's a one person show that that one actor plays five characters through about sixty different switches. So, what can I say? I I married a princess. Um, anyway, so we did that particular production. We were Jeff recommended. We were really really thrilled. Um, that was in two thousand and twelve. And then um, the next year, in 2013, the Celebration Theater uh, Company, it's a gay theater, LGBTQ theater company out in California, did a production of the show and got great reviews there. The following year after that, we did it at the International Dublin Gay Theater Festival. That was 2014, and we were nominated for the Oscar Wilde um, Award for Best New Writing, and David was nominated for the Best Actor Award. The year after that, we did it in Gay Fest in Philadelphia, and that was a really nice experience. And um, last year, we did it. We did it twice. We did it at the at Vermont Pride Theater, which is a wonderful group that's out of Vermont that's run by David Zach's sister. And we did it. We did a one night performance, and that was very well received. And then we did it at the New York City Fringe um, Festival. And that was really a, a really cool experience as well, um, because, you know, we did our play in New York City. So that was that was interesting. Um, and then David won a an award for best solo performance. So it was really, really cool and a really great experience. And, and it's been so, so life changing. I just you just you just have no idea how life changing it's been. And what I really want to say is to new writers out there, um, Try everything. Submit, submit, submit. Um, make your career happen as much as you possibly can. And and if if you don't place in a competition, try something else. But really, it's it's 
it's doing the best work you possibly can and continuing to evaluate it and then trying and trying and trying because it sometimes just takes that one little one little magical moment that that changes everything and um so so try there are different things that you can do um while you're doing that, you can hold readings, you can find writers groups to work on the piece. Um, lately in New York City, I don't know if they have that if they have them here in Chicago or if it's a, a big uh, phenomenon out here, but there are 10 minute play festivals where you can write a, a concept for a play and see how that works out for you. But just try. Um, you can be as talented as I'll get out, but it's going to be driving persistence and taking risks that's really going to make a difference in the long run. So Anyways, that's my little opening statement and my, my two cents. Um, now for our guest. As I indicated earlier, tonight's guest is Chicago's multiple award-winning Pride Films and Plays founder and executive director, David Sack. Hi, David, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi, Sean. Oh. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be on. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yay, this is this is like a wonderful thing because, uh, like I said before, if it weren't for David Zach, I wouldn't be sitting here doing any of this right now. I wouldn't be living in New York. I wouldn't be writing musical books with Leo Schwartz. I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. I would just be still be sitting in in Woodland Hills thinking, "How come nobody likes me?" But anyway, so so David, I'm so glad you're here. Um, why don't you go ahead and start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your creative theater passion? Sure. I was um, uh, grew up here in Chicago and really have enjoyed what I consider a very, very successful career. After I graduated from college, I taught high school for a couple years. And one of my high school students said to me, after I had told my class what my mother told me, which is, uh, you can do whatever you want with your life. You're the captain of your own ship. Uh, one of my students raised their hand and said, uh, well, if you can be, do whatever you want to do, why are you here teaching us? And I turned in my resignation the next morning and uh, finished out the school year and then moved downtown to start pursuing a theater career. So it's been exciting. You know, people tell you it can't be done. We started a theater company. People tell you that most Chicago theaters last two or three seasons. Um, But I was lucky enough and worked hard enough to make uh, Bailiwick Repertory last for 27 years. And then I spent a little bit of time overseas working, which was a great change of pace. And now we're now we're back with a surprisingly new space for Pride Films and Plays. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wow. Now, over, when you worked overseas, was that when you were working in Korea? Yes. Okay. Tell, tell us about that. It was very exciting to be in a country where the arts are valued, where there is money for uh, arts in every major city. Most of the major cities in in South Korea have uh, large cultural centers uh, that would be similar in size to Lincoln Center with multiple theaters, multiple dance uh, facilities. They don't yet have the programming to fill all those theaters, but the fact that those theaters are built is a really great sign of how the company feels about the arts. A lot of people 
in downtown Seoul, which is huge and crazy and beautiful and wonderful and scary, all that stuff, um, a lot of developers will put theaters in the basements of their high-rises because they know that um, uh, people coming on the weekends will use their, their shops and their restaurants and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's uh, a great place to see a thriving theater community. There are over 500 theaters in Seoul itself. And uh, it was a great experience to experience that that uh, sense of actors who are just actors, not working, you know, at gas stations or doing any of those sort of odd jobs mm. to support themselves. They're just actors, and they get paid to do that work. Wow, that's that's really interesting, um, and and probably interesting to the to the listeners who are you know in particular from the United States, uh, who who. Uh, who, who have, like you said, that, 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 that preconception of the life of an actor, that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle to, to hear that there are actors, to hear about cultures where actors are actors full-time and making enough money to have roofs over their heads. And, you know, it seems like actors either make no money or they make a fortune. So that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, now, tell us how Pride Films and Plays came about. Uh, PFP started when I was in Korea and realized that what I missed the most about not working in America was uh, just the the developmental process for new plays and films. When I was in Korea, um, I spent a lot of time looking at stuff on my Kindle, uh, all the all the you know all the movies that I could download, uh, watching pretty much anything that was on Amazon, and most of the stuff was just terrible. Uh, so it was really exciting to watch foreign films with LGBT characters or themes. Uh, some really great work, very provocative, very deep, very dark in some instances, very beautiful. Um, and then to then spend a night with an American gay film uh, was very distressing because I think the issues were totally different uh, and the packaging is different. Everything is different. The American gay films were sort of packaged for the shirtless boy crowd. Um, and, you know, I fell in love with my college roommate sort of story, uh, which gets old very quickly. And my book and doesn't really reflect the gay community that I knew uh, back at home. So that was, uh, that was an idea that we had or that I shared with other, other uh, artists that I knew here in Chicago about starting a group that could not only do good plays but also start making films with uh, with more um, uh, you know more in a subject matter that hadn't been dealt with yet in a more serious style and uh, that to me is where Pride Films and Plays will be going as we continue to build off of what we have here in this new space. Wow, that's that's interesting that that all of this came about when you were in Korea. That's I, I I mean I knew I've known you for five years I know that you uh, go back and, and direct plays in Korea for a, a particular company and I just I never knew that all of it originated while you were in Korea Wow well and in Korea was the one time in my life when I was allowed to just be a director I was paid to be a director that was all I did I didn't have to raise money mm-hmm. I taught classes here and there but it was really exciting to have the time 
uh, that it takes, and sometimes artists don't have that time right. to sort of look at your path and look at your look at your situation and uh, figure out what's working, what's not working. And so it was really great to be in a beautiful country, uh, as you will all see when you watch the Winter Olympics next year, you know, a country that's full of mountains, has beautiful beaches and shoreline, uh, fantastic infrastructure for its major cities. And, uh, and uh, it was great to be in a situation like that and just be, just be a director and have people pick you up for rehearsal and take you home at the end of the night and, and treat you in that way, which never happens in America, ever. Did you say pick you up for rehearsal and take you home at sure, night? Sure, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a Korean way. You didn't have to ride your bike to rehearsal I and then home sometimes. at night? I did sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. In general, it was a really, it's a very different ensemble sort of feeling with everybody eating together, spending the whole day together. And, you know, after a while, you realize there's problems with that system, too. There was the last play I worked on. We rehearsed seven days in a row for 10 hours a day for 25 days, I think, without a day off. And I was not pleased with that system, but that was, again, the Korean way and without any unions to tell you how to do it differently. That was what the producer was able to get away with. Mm. Can't have everything, right? Right. <laughs> you do wear a lot of hats. Would you consider your, Would you consider directing your forte, your specialty? Well, it's really what I like to do in my artistic life. I knew that I was not an actor. I've, I've tried acting, and I have the greatest respect for actors who can who can night after night make things fresh and new and, and believable and authentic. Uh, that's not, I couldn't do that. So I early on knew when I was trying to take acting classes, people would automatically just put me to the back and say, you're really a director. And I think I have a really a great sense of empathy, which I got from my mother, uh, about trying to figure out what everyone's thinking and, mm-hmm. and paying attention to people who whose stories aren't getting heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's really... A, a, an important part of directing, and I also really like all the visual elements of light cues and sound cues and all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's the, you know, that's that's where my artistic, um, uh, you know, uh, delights come from. But to do that, in my situation, I'm now doing this the second time, building an organization to advance your career, and that's a difficult choice, I think, for actors or directors to to make early on in their in their growth. Do you start a company? Do you build a company to to develop a mission that's bigger than yours, which means you're supporting a lot of other people's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, artistic growth and vision? Or do you just pursue your own work? And so I was in the position actually a couple times now to be in a situation where building a company would let me do my own work, but also ends up means that you raise a lot of money supporting other people's work, which can be frustrating, but for the most part is very gratifying. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I I would imagine so. Um, it's it's almost a payoff that you that you deal with in in being able to do your own work as well. Because, well, I guess you could do all your own work here, right? At at the uh, with with Pride Films and Plays, and here at the Pride Arts Center. But then it, it, there wouldn't be much of a Variety? Yeah, but yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So there, there used to be more companies that were just like that, you know, yeah. specifically to develop the work of of one particular artist. 
Um, and some, you know, big-time people have their own production company, Peter Brook, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Famous directors who have their own companies. Um, but, um, you know, this American system of, of working collaboratively and working together is, is good. And if any of you uh, people who are listening are wondering about that, you know, just make sure you explore all the options of what does starting a company under, you know, what, what are the costs, the emotional costs, the financial costs, the legal costs, all that sort of stuff before you get into it. Yeah, I'm sure there can be a lot of surprises. Absolutely. <laughs> and most people just haven't done enough research to, to have give themselves a good uh, chance of success without a good business plan or without a sense of the history of whatever city you're in, knowing what plays have been produced and what the critics are like and what the audience is like, et cetera, et cetera. People make a lot of really dumb mistakes when they start <laughs> theater companies. I'm sure a lot of people think, oh, I'll just do it by the seat of my pants yeah. and whatever happens, happens. Well, here's and a then, play I've always wanted to be in and right. it just happens to be something that the whole city just saw last week. So why are we even, you're never going to get anybody. Right. Exactly. Um, as an ensemble executive director, what messages and themes do you strive to convey to the audiences? Well, we have a lot of um, people working in our ensemble of various ages, various parts of the LGBTQ alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exciting because we have different stories that we want to have told. Uh, the younger generation of people in their 20s have a whole different set of priorities for what they think is important. And in some ways, you know, they've already moved on beyond all the LGBT labels. These, you know, the younger generation in many ways is sort of like, what? let's, you know, let's get over it. Um, whereas the older generation still, you know, appreciates coming out stories, history. And we find that that's an interesting uh, challenge to the gay community. The people that plays about gay history are not things that people want to see, which is, which is too bad. Um, and uh, so we, as a company, try to do a wide variety of things, which are, uh, which have gender parity in terms of writers and directors, so that there's equal number of, of, of plays with women and women directors as there are with men's plays and men directors. Um, and, uh, and we try to then pre- present a, a smorgasbord of things that we do throughout the year, some in the smaller theater and some in our bigger theater. And, uh, you know, our board of directors always likes when there's something like Priscilla, which everybody knows and everybody buys a ticket to. And we like those successes, but we also think it's really important that we present plays and writers that people have never heard of because they're the voice of the future. Mm, Okay. Uh, What do you think overall, um, not just in LGBTQ uh, theater, but overall, what do you think is an important direction theater is taking right now? Well, I think there'll be a lot of political work in the next couple of years, and that's... uh, that's, um, you know, you can see it already taking shape in terms of what people are selecting in terms of their, uh, their choices of plays. I also have experienced here firsthand that we know uh, something like Priscilla. Um, it's just fun. And so many people have come up and said, you know, the world is so stressful. I can't watch the news. I can't turn on Rachel Maddow. I can't turn on CNN. It's too depressing. So coming to something like Priscilla, which is like two and a half hours of sunshine, feels great. And so I think as artists, we need to remember that we have two sort of um, missions, that entertainment is a big part of it, that we're educating at the same time. But a lot of times, I think um, artists make the mistake of sort of preaching to the choir. And what we have to do is, is reach across this weird divide that the country is having, one of our Actors talked about how all the straight guys from her her um, her investment firm, how 
uh, much discomfort they had in coming to see just Priscilla. It was off the, it was outside of their normal, outside of their normal, um, you know, range of what they would see and being in this big gay theater. But I thought it was really great that they came. I thought it was really great that we were able to reach them. I thought it was really great that they enjoyed this play about about people of all sort of different sexualities. And I hope we can continue to find plays and hold discussions that reach across both sides of the aisle. Sorry about that. You want to pause? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. No, that's okay. We're we're in David Zach's office at the Pride Arts Center, so and someone's at the door. We someone's at the door. We will we will have some some atmospheric uh, um, some atmospheric noises. That's a really interesting uh, answer, and and I love that question because um, just yesterday I was interviewing for the show uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Robert Finley, who is the artistic director at uh, the Other Side of Silence in New York, another LGBT um, um, uh, theater organization and ensemble. And his, yours was about balance. Your answer was, let's have a balance of 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 the not the heavy works but the the more political works the more serious works and then the more fun works so that we can so we don't go crazy his was about themes and and um and then i've had other people answer that the they they answered that the the direction that people are are taking that's that's new and edgy and important is is building up the technical aspect of the show because audiences start to get a little bit um, um, immune to what they've seen. You know, we're just we're just upping the ante, you know, so much. So um, that's that's a really that's a cool answer. I love that answer. And I love that that everybody has a different uh, take on that. Well, and, what, and one thing I'll say is that I was at a large cultural event about three weeks ago at an African-American institution here in the city that was packed in a big 500-seat theater or whatever. Mm. And the president of the board um, started the evening by saying, we're in a period of mourning and we're in a period of distress. And I was shocked, frankly. I mm. just thought, really, in this audience of 500 very affluent people who who support your organization, you're assuming that everyone has the same political viewpoint right and that no one in this audience would have voted for the current president i just thought that that was a mistake to make that assumption and if we're if we're assuming things about people that we don't know we've lost the ability to talk with them i think and that's one of the things that we're that i'm very aware of is i might not agree with people but i want them to come see my shows and Mm -hmm. i want to be able to use art to change minds and change people's hearts which i think we can do but we won't be able to do that if we assume that the people we're trying to reach are all Unreachable, or you know, you know. I'm, I do I'm know. Being polite. No, no. I, I do. I I do know what you mean, um, and and I absolutely agree. I think how many times have have we as you know? I'm I'm gay. You're gay. And what? Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you know how many times I, I I myself have assumed that people that I've met in you know Middle America or or, or down south would be offended if I spoke you know, uh, uh, openly about my husband. And then I come to find out later that, you know, their, their brother is gay and has been with their, with his partner for, you know, decades and decades. And, and then I feel like, okay, well, I really 
if that, mm-hmm. you know, and how ridiculous of me to assume that about that individual. So I agree with you, and I, and I understand. Well, and I, and I think the arts have continued to change things because if you're the generation that grew up watching Glee uh-huh. or, you're, you know, that you're watching Riverdale or any of those shows in which gay characters are totally integrated right. into everything else and it's not a big deal and they're having sex and they're falling in love and falling out of, out of love, you know, how to get away with murder, all that sort of stuff, that's all great. That's how people's minds are changed by just saying sexuality is part of you and it's not a big deal. Oh, very good. Excellent. Um, one of the things that your program is your ticket likes to, well, well, one of the, the main theme of our show is to talk about uh, smaller, intimate productions that don't necessarily get the love that the big Broadway shows and the touring companies get. Um, what do you think is the best part of being involved with smaller shows? Most of the time you can strip things away that, uh, that become distractions. So when I hear you talk about people who believe in theater technology, mm-hmm. that makes me nervous. Ah. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard playwrights say, well, when the video is working or when we add the technical elements, my script will make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, but more likely the script needs some work and the technical things aren't going to be able to save you. So we've all gone to the theater and come away uh, thinking, boy, the costumes were great or the set was really exciting, but What's the heart of the, you know, what's the heart of the dinner? What 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 are you going to remember in ten years about the characters or how they've changed? So I think that's a challenge for people everywhere. Yeah. You know that people don't like musicals because they're too big, or people, right. you know, don't like Priscilla because you know there were too many costumes, too much the bus. It was all about you know, and they lost the heart of the story. And that's what I think in small theaters you can strip that away and just sort of say, well, the heart of the story is uh, is the family issue of these three strangers bonding as they go across the desert and realizing, you know, the relationships between parents and children are the same, you know, no matter where you are. Right. And uh, that's one of the things that we really like about the structure of taking a big, uh, a big uh, musical and stripping it down to sort of just, just focus on the heart of the story and the characters and how they change. Mm-hmm. So when you see a script that has TVs and lasers and all of that, that's, that's, that's red flags. That's red flags for me just because I grew up, you know, when I started doing this in 1989-ish or something 1980. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that was big time that yeah. people were just going, oh, this is really fun that you could live, you know, that you could live video a character who was then both on video and on screen and all that stuff. I feel like that territory has been mined really, really fully. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Stuff like uh, the set design for If Then, you know, it was really beautiful and with the platforms and a really great integration of, of the video wall. Um, I like that, you know, that it was that it was thought through and really made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just come away from things going, did we really need all that? Because in the end of the end, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't moved. I wasn't right. touched. I was interested, I was awed, mm-hmm. but it, there wasn't anything that really pushed me over the edge. Wow. It's like, what's next, hologram actors? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what should every theatrical artist, director, writer, composer, actor, uh, be doing right now to be relevant and successful in the industry? Well, I think success is a, is a term that is challenging for people. Uh, I know a lot of people who... People who would be considered very successful because they've been on, you know, they've they've been in New York, they've acted on Broadway, they've won, you know, big time awards, 
Um, are those people more successful than the people who just put in, you know, decades at regional theaters and just do great work week in, week out? I don't know that I, you know, I don't know that I'd think that. I think that people who just do good, honest work, authentic work, whether they're in the union, whether they're even not in the union, whether they're working in community theaters, you know, to, and because they're working jobs to support their wife and kids. I think that's all success. And I think that people just need to move away from that that sense of, oh, if I win a Tony Award, I'll have some sort of, uh, you know, vindication or my career will be made or my finances will be finished. It's not that, you know, it's just as hard for people to win a Tony Award to get the second role or the next role or to be uh, or to be or to separate themselves out from what that first role was to do something totally different. So, I mean, people that I admire, you know, are people who who just continue to surprise us. Uh, someone like Daniel Radcliffe, who, you know, obviously is as rich as God, you know, because he doesn't have to work after all those years of Harry Potter, but continually surprising us by the choices that he makes to explore different themes that are obviously important to him. Mm. Good for him. So that's what I would say to people. It shouldn't be, your reward shouldn't be the money. It shouldn't be the award. It should be, am I doing my best work today? Was this my best rehearsal? Was this my best performance? What did I learn? What do I know now that I didn't learn that I didn't know when I was a senior in college? What do I know now that I'm 50 that I didn't know when I was 40 or 30 or 20? Those are the important things that I think people need to either either you know make make journal entries or just sort of chronicle with their partners or their friends or their families and just be able to really really be able to have honest conversations about about how how they've handled the pressures mm-hmm. of the industry but also how they've handled the joy of the industry and what gets them excited. Why do you get out of bed in the morning? Mm-hmm. Why do you go to rehearsal? If it's not fun, if it's not, you know, something that you love, you know, don't, you know, why are we doing it? Because for many of us, we'll tackle big projects and make, you know, two bucks a minute. Or, you know, <laughs> not even that. They're two bucks a week, probably. is more like it. <laughs> And that's being generous. All that money you've made from At The Flash, right. you're rolling in those royalties, rolling in it. <laughs> well, it helps me with the write-offs know, to say exactly, that I made the money. Exactly, so. right. <laughs> um, speaking of successful people, can you tell us what you've been working on lately? Well, mostly building this building. Um, you people in Chicago probably know that Pride Films and Plays took over a facility that closed very suddenly last summer, and there were two theaters side by side, a 50-seat 50 50 and an 85-seat. And so uh, we ran a lot of l- numbers with our board and realized that if we had a certain number of weeks we were renting the space, a certain number of weeks we were performing ourselves, that, that, uh, that the, having the rental income would be a big, uh, big help in stabilizing everything. So the f- last six months since July, when this happened very, very quickly, this is all I've done. And it was a, it was a struggle. It was seven days a week. It was long, long days just trying to figure out um, not only did we do the right thing and how is it all going to work, but dealing with carpenters and electricians and building people and, and raising money and, uh, you know, inspiring the board and raising money and trying to get the company members to shift um, their their sense of well, we used to be a theater without a space. Now we're a brick and mortar theater. How does my obligation changed? And raising money. And raising money. <laughs> and raising more money. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's been hard. Um, and uh, 
And then Priscilla was big, a really big show, so it was really nerve-wracking to get to the point where we got it open. But we do a lot of specific uh, project fundraising, mm-hmm. which is a lot of times um, easier than somebody saying, oh, here, here's money to pay the Wi-Fi bill. Right. Uh, here's money to buy a new wig or a new, a new dress or something. Um, and um, and so, the, so my focus has wholly been on there. I'm a little bit shaping the next season, but Nelson Rodriguez is our new artistic director, so uh-huh. that's really under his under his supervision and I will probably hope to either produce again our summer film uh, which is what I did last year you know if they trust me I'll direct it but I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to film so (laughs) I I know what I'm doing as a director but I'm sure there's many many things that I just need to be on the film set more than the few you know dozen times that I've done that so far with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, from what they say, all you have to do is point an iPhone camera and just go ahead and shoot video, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guerrilla filmmaking, if you will. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping to have Nelson on the show uh, pretty soon. So, if Nelson, if you're listening, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> uh, what's upcoming with Pride Films and Plays? We have a great new show called uh, For the Love of, the Roller Derby Play. And that's a really, really fun world premiere that'll be here starting in March. And then uh, people are can't wait to get in. People are beating down the doors. Uh, and then after that, we bring the Nance, which people know from the production in New York that was uh, that Nathan Lane was in. And it's um, it's interesting to have a variety of different projects. As I said before, the building itself will now sort of produce different events. Charles Bush was here a couple weeks ago, which was really magical. I bet. Um, and uh, so we're really working on on, on now sort of developing our slate of, of regular shows that are Jeff, up for Jeff Awards and that run for five or six weeks, and then having one-night events, whether the cabaret or film or, or who knows. Whatever the whatever the whatever the community is interested in is where we're going. Oh well, that's that's good. Yeah, we want a busy space. And and those are some great upcoming projects. By the way, my husband is is very jealous and wishes that he lived in Chicago so he could be in the Nats. He could have been there, uh, but yeah. you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so he's, but he's 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 making it work out there in New York. Um, why don't you go ahead and give our audiences your social media information, please? Sure. You can find us at pridefilmsandplays.com. And uh, the website has lots of information, including information about how to submit scripts. Uh, Facebook, we're, on, we're the same, Pride Films and Plays. The other social media, just take out the and. So it's Pride Films Plays on Twitter and Pride Films Plays on on Instagram, and uh, that's probably about it. I don't think we go. I don't think we go into any other areas other than that. Uh, uh, is there any one particular place that they could go to to connect to all of that or most of it? Um, just go to the website first, okay. prideFilmsandPlays.com, and then and then that'll have all the links to every, everywhere else. Okay. Well, excellent. Um, thank you for being with us, David Zach. You have been. It, this has been like 
so cool, and I've been waiting to do this ever since I thought of creating this show. So uh, you've been a wonderful guest, and your answers, as always, are so introspective and, and inspiring. Well, thank you. And can I say one thing about you, Sean Chandler? Sure. You know, I think you're a great example for people who are out there wondering, well, how, what's, what is the path? You know, the path is is what do we think? It's like, I'm going to go to Juilliard, and I'm going to get cast in a Tony Award-winning show, and then I'm going to be the star of Wicked 2, and then everything will be golden after that. And that is the path for about one zillionth of 1% of the people who are working in the arts. I think more logically, more more um, realistically, the path is a place where you... One of my One of my advisors, when I was a young theater artist, said to me, you're pushing so hard in this door that's locked that you don't realize there's a door that's wide open right next to it. And I thought that was great advice. Um, and I think that everybody should take that. Take control of your career. Take control of your writing. Take control of projects that you can, that you can move forward and screw everybody else because they don't get you. If they don't get you and they don't like your play or they, you audition for them and they don't want you, don't give up. You know, just keep going back, but also figure out, well, if I don't get cast and if I don't get to play Juliet before I'm 25, well, then what else? you're going to play, you know, figure out your own path. And, and Sean is a great example of somebody who went from being a successful business tycoon uh. to being an artist, you know, because they, you know, you figured out the, how to make the finances work. You figure out how to make the artistic stuff work. I know you work hard uh, to, to support your husband and the lifestyle in which he's become accustomed. Uh, <laughs> but that's a really, really, you know, that's an inch, that should be an inspiration for everybody to go, you know, I, I, I'm, at a, I'm feeling like I'm at a dead end. How can, I, how can I make the river, you know, what rock do I have to pull out to make the river keep rolling so that it doesn't, you know, become stagnant? And sometimes people stagnate for 10 years. You know, so I hear that a lot from people going, I need to find a job, I need to raise my kids, my girlfriend's pregnant. Great. Do it for 10 years, but just remember that you can always come back to theater. You can always come back to the arts after your other career is over. You know, and people are in demand when they're actors who are 45 or 50 or writers who are willing to write their life's experience into a play like you guys did. Um, you don't have to be a success by 25 or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's what makes it fun. And you'll meet great people along the way who will continue to um, shape your shape your shape how you think about the world and how you think about art if you are open to having those conversations. That's very kind of you to say that. I, I appreciate that, David. I often tell people that um, to be... A uh, successful writer, uh, I had to go all the way to Chicago to make it happen, and boy, am I glad that I did. Um, when I started, when I started having some traction as a writer, it's funny that you talk about about you know meeting these wonderful people along the way. Um, but when I started having some traction as a writer, I was actually seeing a therapist, and we started dealing with how to deal with success as it was happening, and she gave me some great advice. She's she's she was from New York and she had, had um, done therapy for a lot of creative types. And she said, the relationship should always come first. If you're going out and you're making connections with the people and creating good relationships and, and enjoying those relationships with people, it's going to be a great experience because you're going to meet a wealth of incredible people who will make the high highs and the low lows. Um, easier to handle right and um so that's i that's if 
I took any anything away from that therapist I saw for two years. It was that one mm-hmm. sentence, and she's so right. And um, one more thing I wanted to say to you is that w- one of the things that you've you've created with Pride Films and Plays is the Writers Network, of which I'm a member of, and that has been invaluable. I don't know if you get a lot of feedback about it, but um, I have met so many writers from there that I that I write with, that I um, talk to, that I see their shows. And writers, most of the time we're sitting in our bedrooms or our office or, okay, if we're showy-offy at Starbucks, you know, staring into our computer with our own imagination. And, and it could be really lonely. What good is sitting alone in your room? Right. <laughs> it sounds like a song. <laughs> That's... That's the second Candor and Ebb reference I've had on this show <laughs> since I started. Um, and, and it really helps to have those it really helps to have those friends and those people as right. support. And right. it's 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 been it's been great. So you should you should hear that. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Okay, well we should probably wrap up. And before I go, I like to recommend a show that I've seen, and I definitely want to recommend the one I just saw here at the Pride Arts Center, Pride Films and Plays production of The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the musical. And one of the reasons why I want to recommend this is because in addition to it being fabulous, smashing, gorgeously heartfelt, um, it was, I, I saw the production of this that, well, it was the Broadway production that was originally the London production and then I saw the touring production, and I saw the, the, the one at the Pantages when it stopped there. And I remember thinking, it's good, and it's fun, and it's campy, but it's losing something. Um, the movie, I'm, I'm old enough to say that I remember the movie. Um, the movie, I remember just it just being so intimate, and I remember just being dropping into their lives and their situations. And I, I felt like when I saw the musical, it lost that. And um, then I saw this production today, and I really, really think that in addition to there just being excellent production values and brilliant talent and great direction, um, it, 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 it's warm, and it's, it, it connects with people. Um, there is no schism there between the, audi- between the, the performers on the stage and the audience. Um, it's, it's just such a a sensational sensational show and i think it's only around for a couple more weeks um when when does it close david march 12th okay march 12th and people can get tickets uh off of the pride films and plays website right right okay okay folks the uh proverbial 11 (coughs) o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken so it is time to lower our our curtain i'd like to thank our guest, the awesome and amazing David Zach. And if you'd like for me to give a shout out to a show in your area or a mention of your organization, please go to my Facebook page at www.facebook.com backslash your program is your ticket. It's all one word. Give me a like, shoot me a message, and I'll be happy to give you the mention. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week. And don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There are a lot of theater gems out there. And so until next time, good night, theater people and curtain. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.